Amen. Thank you, choir. John, take your Bible, go to Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 32. We'll read through verse 43. Welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, I've been in Pennsylvania preaching three days this week on the east side over in, uh, around Harrisburg, a little south of there. Uh, it was 99 degrees on Monday, preaching outside under a tabernacle. A preacher sweats when it's 99 and you're preaching outside, guarantee you. But by uh, Wednesday, it was 65. Oh my, that was sweet, sweet, sweet. Amen. I'm telling you, it's coming. It, it's coming here. Amen. February, but it, it's coming, all right? So uh, praise the Lord. Best thing I heard uh, while I was there from another preacher, uh, he said, uh, whenever you're having a hard time, don't throw a pity party. He said, throw a throwing party. Psalm 55, 22, cast all your anxiety over on Jesus. Throw it on him. So next time you're in a mess, don't have a pity party, have a throw-in party. Cast all your care. 1 Peter 5, 7 quotes that Psalm 55, 22 verse. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety, all your fear, all your care over him because he cares for you. So have a throw-in party next time you got a burden. Acts 9, we're beginning in verse 32. Last Sunday, uh, the Jago preachers did the first 31 verses, and they were uh, talking about Paul uh, and how Saul came to Christ and the great apostle was born again. We're grateful to God uh, for those two sermons. And then we pick up the text today in Acts 9. We've not read from the life of Peter in a little while. He's at Pentecost in Acts 2, a few other times that we found him. And then he's not been in the text. We've heard from Stephen and Philip and Saul. But now Peter appears again in the book of Acts. In Acts 9, beginning in verse 32, to the end of the chapter, a message that I've entitled, Divine Appointments. Now, as Peter was traveling through all these regions, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man by the name Aeneas. It's not Ananias. It's a different guy. Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up, and all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now in Joppa, not very far from Lydda, now in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and went with them. And when he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. 
But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and raised her up and calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. It became known all over Joppa and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. God orchestrates divine appointments in our schedule. They are rarely convenient, but God is always at work. He uses his people in those divine appointments to bring glory to his name. I have a schedule, you have a schedule you keep. My administrative assistant keeps my schedule, sees that I'm where I'm supposed to be on time. My wife has my schedule. She's the only one can change my schedule. Uh, She sometimes does. I try to keep a schedule. But God has his schedule, and he often puts a divine appointment in our life. For some of you on this Pensacola campus today, you have a divine appointment this morning. God's brought you here for such a time as this. The Lord has a word to say to you. You have ears to hear. He's going to speak. He'll ask you. Through this preacher, as 2 Corinthians will see, is imploring to you, some of you to come and recommit your life to Christ. Some of you to come in fresh surrender to a church. Some of you, having never trusted Jesus, lost without heaven's hope, this is a divine appointment for you to turn from your sin and come to Jesus and be saved in this service today. Peter had three such appointments. In this text we've just read, he had an appointment with Aeneas, he had an appointment with Tabitha, and he had an appointment with Simon. Those three appointments I want us to look at this morning, and God has appointments for you all week long, because Jeremiah 29, 11 says to us, and we often quote it, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a what? A future and a hope. A future and a hope. God has plans for you. Those are not going to be bad That's going to be a future filled with hope. And you need to be watching for God's divine appointments that he brings in your life. I want us to see these three. The first two we just look at quickly. And then I want us to sit down for just a moment on that third one. Then give a gospel invitation. Invite you to rise out of your seat. Walk here. Give God your heart. Knee your hand. And say yes to Christ. Keep that divine appointment. Some of you to come and link your life with this church today. Invite you to come and be here. Some to just come. Kneel in this altar and say, Lord, I'm coming to give my schedule unto you. Let's look at the life of Peter here in Acts 9. First of all, there's what I call the miracle appointment of restoration. 
Peter's traveling through all the regions. He comes to Lydda. Uh, he's introduced, uh, found a man, Aeneas. He's not been out of the bed in eight years. He's paralyzed. And Peter says to him, Jesus. Peter didn't heal him. He says, Jesus Christ heals you. And then he quoted my mother's favorite verse. <laughs> Take up your bed. Amen. Get up and make your bed. What it says right there in verse 34. And immediately he got up. And those that lived at Light and Sharon, verse 35, saw him. And notice here is the rationale, the reason for this miracle. And they turned to the Lord. Listen, God wants to use your life wherever you are in varied circumstances. In this restoration, he uses Peter. And it's about bringing people to Jesus Christ. He'll put you in a certain situation at a different time, and you'll think, man, this, I don't even know why I'm here. And if you are walking in the Spirit of God, He brings people into your path, He puts you into their path, and many were coming unto the Lord. This was a miracle appointment through the healing, restorative power, restoring power of our Lord. This man, eight years paralyzed, God caused him to get up, and many, look at it, right there in 35, 35. Many turned, the whole city turned unto the Lord. I'm praying we'd see that in our region across Pensacola. I pray the whole region turned to the Lord. Come, one by one by one, in a great crusade, however that would happen, that they would come unto Christ. It is the miracle appointment of restoration. Secondly, there is what I call the miracle appointment of resurrection. Uh, he left Lydda and he came to Joppa in verse 36. And, and there was this disciple, her name Tabitha. In Greek, it is called Dorcas. Uh, the word uh, means gazelle, uh, having grace in her life, like the cat like grace in her life life. And she was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity. She did them all the time, verse 36 says. But she fell sick in verse 37, and she died. And since the disciples that were there had heard that Paul was at Lydda, they sent runners and said, go get him, or Peter, excuse me. And they brought Peter uh, down to Joppa, and he went in, and the Bible says that when he was there, the widows stood beside. They were weeping, showing the tunics, garments. This is what Dorcas did. He asked everyone to leave. He knelt down. He prayed over her and said, Tabitha, arise. It was a miracle of resurrection. Happened three times while Jesus was alive. There were three different people he raised from the dead. Resurrection in the apostle. Here, Peter's life. And this godly widow is raised. And what happened? The Bible says in verse 42, and it became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. The appointment of resurrection was not about building an altar to some grand miracle. It was about seeing people turn and come to faith in Jesus Christ. I never read this text that I do not think of Loma West. Loma was on the pulpit committee when I came here 32 years ago. I never met her husband. You come into the office, it's the main office door over here. You'll see it says Howard West Administrative Building. It's named for her husband. He died going out of church on a Wednesday night. 
I never met him. Often kid, Brother Jerry, I said, I've preached here over 30 years. I've never had anybody die while I'm preaching, but you had somebody die while you was preaching. <laughs> Brother Howard tragically died in Loma. What a sweet, sweet lady she was. She was a Dorcas, doing good for any that would meet her. She lived just down Olive and on a side road, not very far. Dave Corson and I went down to her house one day after a storm and uh, cut a big tree out of her. Well, we didn't cut it. He cut it. I just sat on the end of it so it wouldn't flip over. And, but somebody had to sit on it, so I took the job. And I'll never forget when we finished up, Miss Loma came out and she took that little finger. She pointed my face. She said, young man, don't you ever forget you're the pastor at Olive Baptist Church. You act like it and you lead like it. And those people will follow you where we need to go. Whew. I only said one thing. Yes, ma'am. She was a Tabitha, a Dorcas. And when she came to that time of death, oh my, what great praise was given to her name. The same here for Tabitha. And many believed in the Lord. Your life and your divine appointments are so that many will turn from their sin and come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It happened in restoration. It happened in resurrection. But where I want to drill down for a few minutes and then give this gospel invitation today is in the very last verse. And the Bible says in verse 43, And Peter stayed many days in Joppa. Stayed a long time. Many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. Simon Peter had the same name as Simon the Tanner, but while they had the same name, they were so different in their background. Peter coming out of a strict Jewish background. Simon in Joppa is a Tanner dealing with the unclean dead. If you touched a dead animal, you were unclean. That's what Simon did every day of his life, skinning animals. And in this home that had more than one story, you'll see that in the 10th chapter next week when we preach, when Cornelius sends men down there, uh, Peter was upstairs. Can you imagine how that house would stink? The work of a tannery. This man unclean, ceremonial. The Old Testament would have said he could not approach the altar. No one's having anything to do. What God is doing here, he is opening Peter's heart to the world with the gospel. Paul is going to be the one that really takes it, but, but he's dealing with Peter and he's saying, listen, I'm putting you in places where I will use you even when your religion says it should not happen. He's ceremonially unclean, socially despised, and yet Peter didn't just stop by. He moved in. He's living with a tan. You've been downtown Pensacola? The tanyard that is there, it's a place used to tan hides. The tanyard, Pensacola's a sign. Let me tell you, in the days that happened, it didn't smell sweet. Those carcasses, hides, the smell. But yet the ceremony said he was unclean because he had touched a dead animal. And Peter is being taught how to touch people unclean. Mm. 
Kind of reminds you of Jesus, doesn't it? You remember in Luke 19, he gets to know Zacchaeus. He goes to his house. <laughs> and what they say? Oh, look at him. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus is hanging out with sinners. Church, we've got to emulate our Lord. Everybody needs to come to Christ not doesn't look like you. Don't walk in the same vein. There are sinners that need Christ. Aren't you glad Jesus loves them? The drug dealer? Hmm. Why do we do most excellent? Well, because of that. They need a touch. The drug taker? They need a touch. The sex abuser? The prostitute? They need a touch of the gospel. The atheist? Doesn't think like you. Or the agnostic? It's even worse. Or the LGBTQ? People that you know in that gay, lesbian lifestyle. So I don't hang with those folks. They're all Simon the Tanner. And the church has to learn how to take the gospel to the sinner. You remember John chapter 1, verse 14? Where the Bible says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw His glory. This is Jesus, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. He was full of what? Say those two words. Grace, truth. Say them out loud. He was full of? Grace, One more time. He was full of? Grace, Grace and truth. We have to understand truth and grace. Our position is truth. Our posture is Grace. If all you have is truth, you'll become a Pharisee. If all you have is grace, you'll become a liberal with nothing to stand on. But Jesus brings truth and grace together as our position and our posture. And we reach to the world with the good news of Christ. With grace and truth. We must dignify every person we know as an image bearer of God. God made them all. Made an image of God. They've gone away, but I'm telling you, we must. And we are to be to the lost. The Bible calls us ambassadors. An ambassador from the United States to another country goes there, knows the people, deals with them, lives among them. Well, we are to be ambassadors. Look in your Bible at 2 Corinthians 5. Just, just go there. You, you'll want to have this. 2 Corinthians 5, 18, and four verses right here. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Are you all awake? Say amen. You look dead as a hammer. All right. Somebody here, just, just nod your head. All right. They go to sleep till you just push them out in the aisle. All right. Must have been a long Saturday night for some of you guys. 
2 Corinthians, look at it, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. My Lord, Jesus didn't count the sin against them, he's right, and he's given us that ministry. Next verse, 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God himself were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled unto God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh, my Lord. God's supposed to reach through us, through you. And he will give you divine appointments for that. He put me in a meeting yesterday. I said, God, I don't want to go to that. I don't want to be there. Don't put me there. But he did. I said, I don't, I don't belong there. He said, yeah, he did. They got there and they had snacks. And so they were going to pray. And one of them said, we got a professional here. Let him pray. Have you, a professional prayer. If there's ever been a Sadducee or a Pharisee in the house, I mean, I, so I prayed. And I prayed in the name of the matchless Savior of Nazareth. Amen. My job to do that. They wanted a professional. I prayed like a pro. <laughs> hmm. I still didn't want to be there. Well, there was a lot of tanners in that house. LGBTQ, atheists, I don't know about prostitutes, sex abusers, I know all the backgrounds, but I knew some, I didn't want to be there, God said go, and I think, you know, you know Lord, if, if I love these people, others will perceive me as condoning sin, and they will, but let me tell you, it's not so important what this world thinks about you. It's what the upper world thinks about you. And Jesus reaches to you. Be reconciled unto God. Paul said in that passage, I beg you be reconciled through, through me. So how do you do that? How, how do we? Reach Simon the Tanner. Peter's there. We're going to find him next week in chapter 10. He's still there when Cornelius said, said, go down to Simon the Tanner's house. Peter's there. They knew. He'd already changed his address. They knew where to find him. He's living with this dude. Unclean. Couldn't get within a mile of the temple. Yet he's doing God's work. How do you do that? Well, let me encourage you. Build relationships with these folks. Don't preach. Ask questions. What do you love? What do you fear? What delights you? Just, just have a conversation. Go get a cup of coffee and just talk. Ask them what motivates them. 
What's your favorite thing? Get, get to know these individuals. Build a relationship. You, you'll find sometimes sinners are kinder than Baptists. Hey, remember your birthday. Build relationships. Secondly, then, live like Jesus. Be a friend of sinners. Now, there's a time you're going to have to speak truth. And you've got to be prepared. It is the hardest question that I've been asked in the last two, three years. And I get it frequently. Pastor, if your child or grandchild was in the LGBTQ lifestyle and they were going to get married, would you go to the wedding? I'm asked that. I was asked last week. I'm asked over and over. Uh, my, my answer is I, I, I've never been in that situation, never been invited. I, I, I say I would not go. I, I would stand for truth and yet I would love those people it's a hard relational issue we got to live like Jesus you say well I believe he go well then you make up your mind I'm just telling you where I'd be at least it's where I think I'd be I've never been there but we got to live Jesus in this world and when you do it gets nasty I'm just telling you that question if they discussed that at Southwestern Seminary, I missed that day. Nobody ever brought that up, okay? How do you share the gospel in that scenario? How do you get there? You got to live like Jesus. And he got accused of being friends of sinners. So you can be called worse than that. But being a friend of sinners is not bad company to keep. So you got to find your position, have your posture. You find your position of truth, and yet you have a posture of grace. You cannot do that unless you are filled with the Holy Ghost of God. Only the Spirit of God in us can make that through us. I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm telling you it's impossible for the flesh to do what only the Spirit can do. But God puts us there in order that we might, number three, after we build relationships and live like we must explain the gospel. Now listen, if you're a friend of sinners, the, the time's going to come somewhere in that relationship, you're going to have a divine appointment, and it's going to present itself this time to share the gospel. And it will come sooner than you think. Most Christians I know, they get in that relationship, and, and they... they they live through the appointment. They, they miss it. They, they miss the mark where, where God opens the door and says, well, next time. No, not next time. Now, when God opens the door, then you ask that spiritual question. You ask that atheist. We, we are in an era. We, we don't live in a post-Christian era anymore. We live in a post Truth era. Truth is under attack at every side. 
Our students beginning at University of West Florida, the truth, hear me, truth will be attacked in your classrooms. It will be. And you must learn how to be wise and have an apologetic where you can speak truth. You're not trying to win an argument, you're trying to win a soul. got to be equipped with truth but you've got to have a posture of grace but the time comes you got to share Jesus and it's good news look at it in Acts 10 you just one page over look at Acts 10 and I just want to show you four or five places where, where they shared the truth and how they did it Acts 10 42 look, look, look at this and he ordered us to preach to the people solemnly testifying that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead verse 43 of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin did you see that you share the gospel if you believe you're forgiven he offers the gift Romans 10 9 and 10 that there is this gift Romans 6 that is given to us and if you receive the gift you are forgiven you repent and you are forgiven look at it in, in Acts 3 verse number 9 they said it this way Acts 3 9 or Acts 3.19, I'm sorry. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. You repent, you come to God, your sins wiped away. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Amen. You ever had a time you wanted your sin to be wiped away so nobody would see it? Who have I ever been there? Look at Acts 8, verse 22. All through the book of Acts, you find this. Come to Christ, Acts 8. And verse 22, therefore repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. You come, you repent, you ask him, and he wipes it away. You go to chapter 26 and verse number 20. Look at it. It's right here in the book of Acts. Repent, believe, and you're forgiven. Acts 26 and verse number 20. But, oh, this is so good. Look, look at verse 20. You all underline this one in your Bible. But keep declaring both to those at Damascus first. At Jerusalem, throughout the region of Judea, even to the Gentiles. This is Acts 1.8. Here it is. That they should repent, turn to God, and perform deeds appropriate to forgiveness. When God offers, you share it. And if they repent and receive it, God will wipe away their sin. It's called the gospel. It's called good news. It's what happened with Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Is Jesus there to see? He couldn't see him. He's too short. Hey, come down out of that. I'm going to your house today. <gasps> He's going up here with a sinner. And verse 10 of that chapter says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost and through us every tanner that you know Jesus gave his life and if a tanner will turn and repent God will save him what a savior John Newton wrote that word amazing grace he was in the galley of us slave ship. He became a slave owner and God saved him. 
He said, amazing grace. It saved a wretch, wretch like me. God changed him. Dear friend, hear, hear me. I, I, I don't know everyone in this room, I'm, I'm, but I'm telling you, Jesus died for you. And he offers the gift of forgiveness. If, if you will believe, God will forgive. And I was just a kid preacher. I've shared this with you years ago. It's been a long time since I told it. I was in my first church, New Lebanon Baptist Church, out on Simmons Mountain between Springville and Odenville, Alabama, north of Birmingham, up old US 11. Preaching that little old church, you'd walk in there before we fixed the floor. It's like being on a diving board. There were two of the piers that had broken out, and you'd go on that, and man, you could just. Now, that little old country church, I had a lady, Miss Simmons, she came, got saved. I, I remember, and she came to me one day, she said, I think my husband is ready if you'd go. I said, okay. He's the meanest man in the county. I didn't even know his first name. I only knew his nickname, which was Snake. Snake. Now, that ought to tell you something. She, his wife was the only lady that I ever, I tried to baptize her in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. She would not go back. Absolutely. I put my hand on top of her. I said, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the way I baptized her. I did. I baptized her just like that. Simmons Lake. I just moved out a little deeper. There's nowhere in that book says you have to lay them back. It's the way it ought to be, but, but she got gloriously saved. So I grabbed Gene, a deacon, we went over there and we, we went to his house. It was so hot, August night. And I sat down on the coffee table. Snake was in the seat across. His wife's there. And so I shared the gospel. I said, you, you understand that Jesus died for you. He loves you. If, if you'd say yes to him, he'd save you. Jesus went to the cross, took your sin. He said, okay. He said, I, and he, I said, I said, I don't care if you've lied. He said, I've done that. I said, if you've committed adultery, his wife's standing right there. He said, oh, I've done that. I said, if you've been drunk, he said, you know I've done that. And we all knew. Now, I just named every sin I could think of, and after a while, I just took a deep breath, and I thought, all right, I'm just going out here in deep water. I said, Mr. Sims, I don't care if you've murdered a man. I'm telling you, God will forgive you. And he stopped, and he grabbed me by the arm. He said, do you mean that? I said, yes, sir. I'm telling you, God wrote 13 books in the New Testament. He killed Christians. God forgave Saul. He forgave you. And he prayed that night and asked Jesus to save him. Amen. Glory to God. You said, did he mean it? I don't know. I'm not in management. I'm in sales. I, I don't know. I, I can't look in your heart. Did you mean it? I don't know. I know this. The, the Word of God says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I don't know, but he, he prayed and asked the Lord to save him. Hmm. And friend, if you'll pray and ask the Lord to save you. He'll save you. What a Savior. He's meaning the 
Murder? I said, yeah. We got back to the truck. Gene was with me. He was just young in the Lord. He said, Pastor, I've heard all my life that that man killed his brother years ago, but I didn't know it was just a rumor. He said, he must have done it. I said, I don't know. I said, he's dealing with something. And God washed it away. Does it work, Kevin? Man called me the other day. He spent 25 years in the penitentiary. He called me the other day. He said, I got a job. He said, I haven't got a truck. He just lets me in on the grace of God in his life. God covered multitude of his sin. If he saved him, if he saved Snake, he saved you. Amen? What a Savior. What a Savior. It's about him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about what Jesus does. For If you are a tanner today, and let me let you on a little secret. Are tanners today. Everybody in the room. For all have sinned come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not nary a one. And God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. What a Savior. And Jesus, these are not my words. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said that God so loved the world. I believe that word world means everybody. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus said these words. John wrote it, but Jesus said it. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whoever would believe would not what? Perish. That means go to hell. But would have what kind of life? Everlasting life. The Old Testament says, I set before you life or death. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Dear friend, if you'll come to Jesus today, he will not cast you out. He will save. And somewhere along the way, after you build a relationship, after you live like Jesus, you're going to need to share the gospel. You say, I really, I'm not prepared. Just get a gospel track, keep it in your pocket and be ready. And just read the word. I'm telling you, the word of God is more powerful than anybody in this room. And if they will hear, and it falls on their heart, and God directs, he will save. He saved you today. In a moment, John's going to sing a song, and when he sings that song, I'm, I'm going to wait on you right here. Come give me your hand, God, your heart. If you're here and want to join this church today, say, Pastor, this is the kind of place I want to be. Then come, link your life with us. We need you, and you need us. We'll be family together, just a bunch of tanners. That's what we are. Sometimes we stink, but we're covered by grace. God does that for us. If you're here today and know the Lord and you've just been away from him want to come to this altar or just have a burden you want to have a throw in party then just come right here throw it at his feet cast it at his feet I'm going to pray as soon as I say amen we'll stand up get up coming just stand up coming unto the Lord out of that balcony it'll take you a moment just step out and come to Jesus Father I pray in Jesus name that you, you'll do your work in, in this next stanza in this moment draw people 
Father, I rebuke the evil one in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would apply your blood to our heart that we might hear your spirit. Not the voice of a man, but the spirit of the living God. Draw people. Now in a moment when I say amen, folks, I want you just to get up coming, saying yes to Christ, yes to his church, yes to your confession, to be clean before the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.